Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Fidelity Investments. Your money's new best friend, Will Danoff, has arrived. Visit investwithdanoff.com. It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in. The Oil Kings Medicine Hat game starts in half an hour. Oilers farm team now trailing the Texas Stars 2-1 late in the first period. Griffin Reinhardt, the goal for Bakersfield. Of course, former Oil Kings bench boss Derek Laxtall, the coach of uh, the Texas Stars. NBA tonight. Raptors taking on Milwaukee. You know, the Raptors got out to a big lead early. The Bucks have fought back a bit. It's halfway through the third quarter, 66-52 for Toronto. My name is Reed Wilkins. Good to have you along for the ride. All-Star weekend coming up. Pretty uh, big event happening in the uh, major junior ranks as well. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show from Sportsnet, Jeff Merrick. Jeff, good to talk to you. How are you doing? Uh, my pleasure, Reed. Always good to be on with you and uh, with your listeners as well. Currently sitting in a hotel room in Quebec City uh, here for the uh, uh, CHL-NHL Top Prospects game, uh, which is Monday. But the next couple of days as the kids arrive, it'll be a nonstop uh, revolving door of interviews as we get to know these guys a little bit better in advance of the, uh, of the NHL draft come June. So for me, this is one of the uh, one of the benchmarks in my schedule at the beginning of the year. I mean, I love this game, this event, getting to not just to know the kids, but to know the families as well. So uh, happy to be here and uh, looking forward to, to meeting a lot of the kids and families tomorrow. Uh, all right, so Quebec City, so what, what, what rink are they using for this game, buddy? Videotron. The, the big, big one, one, the new one. Yeah, yeah. College, college days done. Last hurrah was the uh, the Memorial Cup won by the Oshawa Generals over the uh, Kelowna Rockets. All right, so uh, this is the one they built in hopes of getting a team, right, an NHL team. And they still do hope. Thank you very much. I right. talked to the locals. I talked to my uh, my cab, my cab driver on the way in about hockey in, in Quebec. Yeah, there's still that uh, you know it's there's still that hope um, that they get a team. Uh, I know that you know the NHL playing footsies with uh, with Seattle, and we know that you know going back some years when they opened up for bids, they were disappointed slash surprised uh, that not one single bid came from Seattle. Um, but there's still uh, a chance, depending on who you talk to, it's either a good chance or a, or a hail mary that uh, Quebec does end up with uh, with an NHL team. Um, probably not an expansion market, though. Reed, probably a relocation market. So. You know, throw your darts at the uh, at the thirty soon to be thirty one teams in the NHL, and uh, and and pick who you think might be coming to Quebec one day down the road. But I, I don't think that the NHL has Quebec, if at all, uh, earmarked for expansion. To me, it seems more like a relocation market. 
Yeah, well, it'd be great to get another Canadian team back in, and obviously you'd have the Quebec-Montreal rivalry back uh, going, yeah. which, would be, which would be fun. So, uh, yeah. And it's I, beautiful. Have, have, have you been? No, I've not been. It's, no. it's gorgeous. Oh, I mean, it's, you, mean you, you, you really hope, just for the sake of how beautiful the rink is. This is no disrespect to the Quebec Ramparts who play out of that rink right now, the junior team. But, I mean, this is an NHL building. Like, this is NHL quality. Um, you know, I'm not so much on how it looks from the outside, but inside it is drop dead gorgeous. Like I know I'm talking to someone in Edmonton who's probably rolling his eyes. As all you listeners are like, huh, you want to see what a rink looks like? <laughs> we have one here. But I'm telling you, man, the Videotron is outstanding. Got a chance to, to get a walkthrough uh, when we were doing the Memorial Cup a couple of years ago at the Coliseum when it was still being constructed, uh, and then going to it recently. It is state of the art. It is gorgeous. And uh, it really, for for a lot of reasons, but for one reason, it really would be a shame if there is no NHL team to occupy what is an elite-level NHL arena. Okay, so if you're talking relocation, do we put down Carolina as the favorite to move at one point, that, or what are you thinking? Yeah, that, that name always, every couple of years Carolina comes up, doesn't it? Yep. It's, it's, it's bizarre. That, that seems to be the one. It's things have sort of... I guess settled, I suppose, in Sunrise. You know, getting the deal done with the county sort of calmed everybody down. As, as people look for hot spots around the, uh, the Eastern Conference, and Carolina probably does seem like the one. You know, that uh, that spot, uh, that that that, uh, uh, that that possible candidate for relocation. I always feel bad saying it because you know we've been false started on this rumor so many different times that you don't want to fan the flames anymore. But you nailed it, Reed. That's, that's the, the, the name that always pops up when you talk about relocation in the Eastern Conference. Now that Florida's sort of settled, Carolina seems to you know, once again be the hot spot. Jeff Merrick joining us on Inside Sports. Well, yeah, that, that's going to be another storyline to, to follow. And, and you mentioned if you have the facility, that, that's, a, that's a big plus to getting a team. Vegas kind of went that route, and, and they got the expansion team. You know, yeah. it's funny now with, with the Oilers doing well and on path to make the playoffs, the, the tone of the postgame show I do with Rob Brown has gone from who are we going to fire and or trade to who are yeah. we going to lose in the expansion draft. I, I think there's a very good chance Brandon Davidson is exposed and taken by the Golden mm-hmm. Knights. We'll see. I just wonder, you know, they said, well, we we got to make the rules so they get a decent roster. But but all these all these mock expansion drafts that you see and, and are constantly in flux, I still look at that yeah. and I'm just like, I don't know if they're actually going to have a very good roster. They're, they're going to be getting I'm a lot of you. mediocre players. I'm with you. Uh, and, you know, every team now, you know, between now and the trade deadline, you know, they're going to load up to make sure they have enough weak players available for the expansion draft. Um, you know, players that they don't have any plans for that they can expose. Uh, and, and I'm with you. Like, they'll get a decent goaltender. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, we know they'll get some, you know, maybe if they're lucky, a couple of second-pairing defensemen. But generally, you're going to get, you know, four or five guys. You know, fourth, fourth, fifth, fourth, fifth defensemen from NHL teams. Um, the big one to me is, you know, how are you going to get any goal scoring? Like that, that, that's what I keep yeah. coming back to. Who's who's going to be available that can score goals? You know, to me, I don't see. I mean, you, you look up the street and you look at the Calgary Flames, for example. I mean. Now, no disrespect to the player, but, you know, why do you think Calgary went out and acquired Thomas McCollum, the goaltender, to expose him, like for the expansion? And there will be a lot of teams 
that go out and do that very same thing between now and trade deadline. This would be a fascinating trade deadline just for that alone to find out what's a trade to help the team and what's a trade that allows teams to either expose that player or freeze up another player to get exposed. But one interesting squad through all of this, I'm very curious to see how they massage their roster, is Anaheim. And, you know, that at, at various points you say to yourself, well, there's no way they can, they can keep Ricardo Bacal, and now they have to. You know, there's no way they can keep Sulfurberg. He'll be in the conversation, as he should be the last couple of years, for the Salky Trophy with Ryan Kessler and, and Andrew Cogliano. Um, they have a lot of defensemen. Do they trade one now? Do they lose one in expansion? Like the, the one team that I have sort of always circled back on to say maybe this is the one team that does have to expose a certain player of quality is the Anaheim Ducks. That, that might be the only one. You might, you might make the case for the Detroit Red Wings. You know, I saw, I saw some mock expansion drafts at the beginning of the year that had Detroit exposing Anthony Manta. That's not going to happen. Uh, you wonder if they, you know, if they hang on to uh, to Thomas Yurko for this, or they let go of Thomas Yurko by trade deadline and try to help the team. So maybe Detroit's one you look at. But if you're looking at teams that may have to surrender a quality player because the numbers just aren't there for them, maybe Anaheim is the one you look at and you say, hey, that's where Las Vegas is going to at least get one player of some quality around the NHL. Yeah, well, you're you're right that it, the trade deadline will be interesting to see how many moves are made, not to help a team over the final six weeks of the regular season, yeah. but to help a team when they've got to give their protected list in in June. And I mean, that's why you know when fans ask Rob and I, well, who are the Oilers going to protect? I'm like, well, we know certain guys, but. You know, are they going to acquire somebody to protect? And plus, they can leave guys, team, not just the Oilers, but but teams can leave guys unprotected who are decent players, but they know Vegas probably wouldn't snap them up because are you going to take a, a an older guy who has one year left on his deal, right? Like if if yeah. if the Oilers left Mark Letestu available, we know he's having a good season. But yeah. is that the type of player Vegas is going to take for a year? You know what I mean? So that- oh, I don't know, man. Uh, right-hand shot center? Oof. That's a, that's a precious commodity right there, Reed. Yeah. Um, well, he, I mean, he's having I'm, a good... I'm, but you I'm know what I'm saying. I'm all day. Yeah, no, I, I, I do know what you're saying. I do know what you're saying. And, you know, one of, one of the other interesting stories out of all of this, too, because this Vegas situation is, you know, it's a fascinating one. And I was talking to Doug McLean about this the other night when I was working with him. Because when Columbus and Minnesota... Uh, into the NHL, you know, San Jose desperately did not want to lose Nabokov. Mm-hmm. They did not want to lose the goaltender. So San Jose did separate deals with both Minnesota and Columbus to get guarantees that they would not touch Nabokov in the expansion draft. I wonder what types of deals are cut in advance of expansion so teams are, so Vegas will be hands off certain players. Yeah. That, that one will be fascinating. Yeah, that that's a, that's a great point, and you may not even hear about some of those till after the fact, right? So, well, and, and maybe and maybe and maybe the best example of that is Pittsburgh. Like it seems pretty obvious that you know Jim Rutherford does not want to trade Mark Andre Fleury. You saw how they won the Stanley Cup last year. You need, you know, more so than ever now. You need two goaltenders. This has kind of been the story going back to 2006 post lockout with Martin Gerber and Cam Ward. You need two goaltenders. In a lot of ways, if you're going to win the Stanley Cup, you need to. Very rare you're going to get one goalie going from from stem to stern and, and and run the table. Now you need two to get there, and a lot of cases you need two during the playoffs. So you know that Jim Rutherford does not want to let go of Mark Andre Fleury. 
I wonder what the conversation around that hap- around that would be, um, i.e., okay, uh, uh, Mr. McPhee, don't touch my goaltender. Uh, I will give you blank in exchange. That'll be a fascinating conversation. Right. Yeah. Jeff Merrick joining us on Inside Sports. All right. Uh, let me give you one final one here because this now has come up uh, with Edmonton fans, especially after the last couple of games. So I'll just ask you the question, and we'll see if you list an Oiler or not. Right now, you're three finalists mm-hmm. for the Vesna Trophy. Finalists for the Vesna Trophy. Hey, that's a good uh, one, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that is a good okay, one. Okay, Dubnik's I a give. Dubnik's a given, Dub- right? Dub- Dubnik is absolutely a given. Uh, I would throw Sergei Vitovsky into that conversation. Yeah, I agree with those two. And even though there have been struggles, I would still put Carey Price in that talk as well. That's fair. But it's fun that you actually have to think about Cam Talbot, isn't it? Oh, isn't it, though? Listen, I used to watch Cam Talbot. I'm my Pierre Maguire on here. I used to watch Cam Talbot in the OJHL. Oh, that's actually a little Don Cherry impression. Um, <laughs> I used to watch him play with Hamilton in the OJHL. And I remember uh, talking to Clark McLean. I referenced Doug now twice. Doug McLean, son, who played with him in uh, uh, in, in Alabama. Uh, and uh, I remember watching him in in Hamilton and seeing this, you know, spectacular goaltender. I'm like, wow, this guy is a really great junior goalie. And then you sort of, and I, I honestly, I had blanked on him after he played in the OJHL. And then when he, you know, popped again in the NHL, I'm like. Is that that same guy that I saw playing in Hamilton in the uh, in the OJ so many years ago? He, I mean, you know this going away. One of the nicest guys in the league. Mm-hmm. Always gives you his time. Um, has been through, has has fought for every bit of ice and every start that he's ever received. Um, had that great opportunity uh, with the New York Rangers when Lundqvist went down. Uh, you're happy when guys like that succeed, and for that reason, even though I don't think he'll be there at the end of it. You like to see him in that conversation for the top goaltender of the year. Essentially, what I'm saying is, Reed, you like to see nice guys succeed and get recognized for being good. And for for, for that reason, you know, I, I like that we'll uh, you know have a, a quick a quick pause here and a quick conversation about Cam Talbot. Yeah, well, and they talk a lot about his work ethic, and, and I mean, I always say to the people who are worried about him playing too much. Until you see a problem, why worry about it? I mean, how do you know he can't handle 70 games? He's never, no, he's never done it before. Doesn't mean he can't do it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that I want to roll the dice on it. You know what I mean? I got, I, I, I just, I get, I, I get, I mean, we saw it last year with Holpe, and not that, you know, that, that loss was, uh, was about Braden Holpe, it's more about Matt Murray, but I always worry about goaltenders that play too much in the regular season. I, I really do, and I know the temptation is there, you know, just get us there, and then we'll roll the dice mm-hmm. in the playoffs, but, Man, I get, I get, I get kind of weird when I see the the starting goaltender playing too much. Well, he's getting a bit of a break, and then it's going to be a going to be yeah. a fun ride here. Good, good push. Well, for the you know what, coming listen, up. The the what do they always say? Nine fifteen save percentage gets you in the playoffs. He's at what nine twenty three, nine twenty two somewhere in that area coming into tonight. Yep. Hey man, that's a uh, that's a really nice number for Cam Talbot and the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, for sure. Hey Jeff, enjoy Quebec City. We always appreciate the updates, and uh, you're always welcome on the show, man. It's good to hear from you. I look forward to talking to those Western League kids come tomorrow and Sunday. Reed, you take care of yourself. We'll chat soon, pal.
This is Mark Potestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. Great to have Jeff Merrick on the show talking about uh, possibly getting an NHL team back in Quebec City. He's there for the uh, CHL Top Prospects game. Southside Rob has texted in. He says the NHL is crazy not to put a team in Quebec City. The Nordiques with Sackick, Stastny, Goulet were one of my favorite teams of all time. Quebec versus Montreal would be golden. Hopefully Bettman gets his act together on this. They are rabid fans just like the seven other Canadian cities. I mean, the problem, though, with uh, bringing back Sackick, uh, Stastny, and Goulet is, like, they're all in their 40s, 50s, and 60s now. So, Rob, I don't know if the team would be as good as it was then. I think he meant the newer roster, Reed. Oh, he meant you'd have new guys. Yeah. Would, oh, I see. Okay. You know, we were talking a little bit about the expansion draft there with Jeff Merrick. Uh, the Oilers will probably protect seven forwards, 3D, and a goalie. They'll protect Cam Talbot. They'll protect Sekra, Larson, and Clefbaum up front. They'll protect Lucic, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Eberle, and Maroon. Then we will see. Uh, you know, when I, when I mentioned it, everybody knows, I, you know, I, I love Mark Letestu and what he brings to the team. But if, if you didn't think he was going to be claimed, then you could leave him unprotected. And, and you know, Jujar Kara has to be protected. Remember that, too. That might be an appealing younger player especially if he gets into more games later on here uh, in the season. I, I still think Brandon Davidson is the leading candidate to be claimed unless the Oilers make some other acquisition and then leave that person unprotected. Um, you got to have your protected list in on June 17th, and then the announcement of the selected players is on June 21st. Every NHL team will lose one player. That's it. You can only lose a maximum of uh, of one guy. I mean, you protect up front. Lucic, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Everly, Maroon, uh, Latestu, and Kara. And then Cassian and Russell would be unprotected, but they would tell Las Vegas, sorry, we're not going to negotiate with you. And then the Oilers could re-sign them after the expansion draft. That could be one way to go. Maybe that's maybe that's the smartest way to go. All right. Next Oilers game is on Tuesday, by the way. Home to the Minnesota Wild. The Oilers have a shootout loss and an overtime loss to the Wild this season. That'll be on Chad 5.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 7. Uh, this person texting in says, Doesn't McDavid need to be protected? No, if you have two years or less of pro experience, you do not have to be protected. So Benning, Kajula don't have to be protected either. And, uh, you know, obviously other guys who are, are relatively new, most of those, a lot of those guys would be in the minors. Uh, Griffin Reinhardt now could very well be eligible. Would he possibly be claimed? That's another, that's another name to, to keep in there. I, I would think they would take Davidson over Reinhardt if they had the choice, but this still has a few months to play out. But no, Connor McDavid does not have to be protected. So there you go. We'll catch up with author Jeff Perlman. He uh, recently published a book about Brett Favre, and he has a book coming out about the USFL, which whose his, uh, history was greatly influenced by Donald Trump. That's when we get back. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. 
classic track, Kellen Kennedy. Did you see the news today? HMV is shutting down. I did see that. Well, you could kind of see it coming, couldn't you? Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's still heartbreaking, but... Is your heart actually broken? Uh, does progress break your heart? I'm hurt. Not progress, but does does inevitable change break your heart? <laughs> I'm, I'm hurt. I'm I mean, hurt. here's the thing. I, I understand what you're saying, but then when I look at my own life, and I basically have stopped buying things at HMV. I've stopped buying DVDs. Mm-hmm. I probably have 200 DVDs that I never watch. So it's like, why did I buy that movie? Good point. I might have watched it again once or not at all. I mean, one of my buddies, we were talking a few months ago. I meet a couple of guys for for Monday Night Football when I have time. And he says, I have all these uh, unopened, like still in the wrapper DVDs on my shelf. Why did we buy them? I'm in the same boat. I have about 10 or 15 at home that's still in shrink wrap. But once, once you get older, especially, you don't have time to watch them again. Yeah, I'd sooner watch something new when I have time to sit down and watch a movie. And now everything's on TV. I mean, Back to the Future is on TV. Well, what are, what are the movies that are on TV all the time? Uh, Back to the Future seems to be on a lot, right? Yep. Uh, I know there's some channel seems to be always be showing one of the Resident Evil movies when I'm flipping through, right? Yep. The uh, the Die Hard movies seem to be on a mm-hmm. fair bit. Uh, all of the Mission Impossible remakes with uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, so you could just uh, find something and, you know, usually, what, what channel usually has the James Bond marathon every year or two? Uh, I think I that's know, AMC. That's AMC. I think it's AMC, yeah. So, uh, I mean, CDs have virtually gone the way of the Dodo Bird. Oh, yeah, that's a given. Especially so, with all the music streaming and that stuff. So now, I understand so. that we have a nostalgic connection to HMV, but we're if if uh, clearly it's shutting down because we're no longer using that as a product. It's not just the upcoming generation that isn't shopping at HMV. It's the it's the customers from the past who have clearly stopped shopping there as well. But Reed, where will I use my HMV Pure card? And my pure points. Well, I, I assume you'll have time to go. They didn't just shut uh, no. shut them all down today, did they? No. Uh, April 30th is the last day of operation. All the stores have to be shut by April 30th. So. Okay, I hadn't read the uh, read the full story because I'm not even that interested. Uh, somebody says uh, Dumb and Dumber's on all the time. Rocky, uh, the Rocky movies mm-hmm. are on quite a bit too when you yeah. when you flip around. Uh, I don't. I was watching s- some of the end of uh, Back to the Future the other night. Uh, over the Christmas holidays, much replayed uh, the Mighty Ducks. I, I have a confession to make. Well, it's not really, I'm not really making it because I've made it on the show before. I have yeah. never seen a Mighty Ducks movie, and I have almost no interest to. Mm. When I was younger, I'd be like, come on, man, you got to see it. But, you know, seeing that at this point in time, not a big deal. That's right. Fine. There reaches a point where you're at a point in your life where you say, you know what? You've you've missed the window to truly enjoy that Slap movie. Slapshot is better. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Like, as a 42-year-old man, am I, am I going to watch the Mighty Ducks movie and be captivated, whether it's about sports or not? And quite, and, and as, a sports, as a sports fan and as someone who works in sports media, I'm not necessarily that huge fan of a lot of sports movies. I mean, they're, if they're good, they're good. But there's a lot of sports movies out there that are pretty like, okay, whatever, that was blah. Or that was another cliche-ridden film, right? Right. So, yeah, I'm not sure at this point in my life if... Uh, now, people can correct me if they, you know if, they, if you guys want to steer me in, in, in a direction you think is going to help my existence. I, I appreciate it. 
but it, but it, it, it and I, I'm almost 43. I turned 43 in April. So is this really, is, is the Mighty Ducks creating a hole in my life? Am I going to watch the Mighty Ducks and think, oh my God, that had to happen? I don't know. Uh, somebody says the Jason Bourne series is on TV all the time. Those movies are on quite a bit. I don't think I've seen all the Bournes even. I think I've seen two or... How many Bourne movies are there? Aren't there five now? Yeah, there's like five or six. I just had a caller on the line saying you have to watch the Mighty Ducks movies just to see the Flying V because it is the answer to the neutral zone trap. Okay. That well, well I've line. seen... I've, yeah, I've, I know what they're referring to, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, a gentleman named uh, Kevin Martin just texted in. Now, this is not the curler. Kevin Martin owns uh, a video store. I th- I'm pretty sure it's still mm-hmm. operational. Hadn't been there for a few months. Called The Lobby. Okay. It's yeah. an alternative video store on White Ave. Uh, I want to say between it's between 107 and 108. or one, I think it's between 107 and 108 on the mm-hmm. south side of White Ave. And he specializes in uh, alternative films and horror movies. Uh, it's a pretty cool place. And it, it, it this is the true definition of irony. It is... Uh, Underneath a daycare, <laughs> so you got a daycare on the main level and a horror movie rental shop uh, underground. That that's par for the course for White Abdo. He just texted in and says, kind of uh, stacked, so. and uh, says Goon. Yeah, Goon's good. Uh, another texter uh, writing in says, "I'm in the minority, but I still buy physical things, and and you can buy." Oddly enough, this texter. Uh, Chris says, I buy movies at the lobby. He mentions the lobby, and I just got a text from the owner of the lobby. Here's the thing. I I would still buy a DVD if it was like a really cool movie that I might watch again. But I think the last movie I bought, or maybe got for Christmas, was Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. I actually got the Blu-ray. So anyway. Well, yeah, the last movie Blu-ray I bought was uh, Force Awakens last year when it came out. Oh, the fall. Okay, obviously I got the yeah. Force Awakens. Sorry, <laughs> clearly the Force Awakens. Yes, I'd get the Force Awakens on VHS just to have it. Beta. Uh, PD's texting and he says, "You've never seen a Mighty Ducks movie. How I envy you." <laughs> uh, this texture says, "Reed, I have a ten-foot screen in my TV room, and a seven-year-old come over any night to watch the Mighty Ducks. He loves the Flying V. All right." Well, it's always uh, it's always touching when you get invited over by a listener. Well, well, here, let me save you some time. This is the best part of the movie. Here it is. Oh, don't give it away! We're Team USA, <laughs> gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. That's right, Jan. And just when you think they're about to break apart, ducks, ducks fly, fly together. together! And when the wind blows hard and the sky is black, ducks fly! Okay, it's from the second one, but you get the idea. Oh, yeah, it's good enough. Uh, <laughs> he's got some good text here. 
this texture says, I love the lobby. I've known Kevin for years. He's a DJ on White as well. A few, a few people know about the lobby. That's cool. If, if, if you're, especially if you're into a little darker horror type stuff, you'd like it. This texture says, you have to buy the FUBAR series. I will say this. I do have the first FUBAR movie. Mm-hmm. That's one I would definitely watch again. I haven't in a few years. The second one that's, is amazing, too. That's uh, yeah. You know what? I don't think I've seen the second one. Yeah, the second one's the, amazing. The, the, yeah. the FUBAR is good. This, my, this is, uh, it's Friday. This is probably the text of the week here from Jay. Jay Bueller, who's a pretty funny texter. He, say, he, he says, Movies have taught me one thing. Never travel with Tom Hanks. Castaway, Apollo 13, Sully, Captain Phillips, The Terminal. <laughs> That's a good point. There's a theme to uh, Tom Hanks movies. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a timeout. We're going to welcome Jeff Perlman to the show. He's, uh, he's written some great sports books, some of my favorites. Uh, he wrote Boys Will Be Boys. That's about the Dallas Cowboys of the 90s. He wrote Showtime about the Lakers of the 80s. He wrote The Bad Guys 1 about the uh, 1986 Mets. He's writing a book about the USFL, which is going to have some Donald Trump stuff in it. And his most recent book that I'm currently reading is called Gunslinger. It's about Brett Favre. We're going to give away the, that Oil Kings pass. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll just do it off air, Kellen, during the commercial. Okay. What NFL team drafted Brett Favre? It wasn't the Packers, even though he got famous playing for them. What NFL team drafted Brett Favre and Jeff Perlman coming up? This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, Barry gets the Oil Kings tickets. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons drafted Brett Favre. And our next guest literally wrote the book on Brett Favre. Welcoming back to the show, author Jeff Perlman. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. It's great to talk to you. Am I giving you a bit of a break from a, a busy writing schedule, or how's work treating you right now? Uh, I'm in a coffee. I'm in the best... Here, here you go. I'm in the best Vietnamese coffee shop in all of Laguna Niguel, California. How about that? Wow. Take that away from me. Yeah. That is awesome. So, is that? Do you actually go there with your laptop, and you're one of those guys you'll 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 write while you're in the coffee shop? Yeah, coffee shops are my happy place. So, uh, and the internet is the devil because you know it's so distracting. But um, yeah, I sit in the coffee shop. I bring all my notes. The owner gets annoyed at me after a while because I'm here for 100 hours and I just order a cup of coffee. But otherwise, it's good. <laughs> do, you, do you get any funny looks from uh, other customers or are or, or some of them working on their books as well? <laughs> um, no, I give funny looks to other people because uh, the one thing that happens now that never used to happen, it's become okay for people to speak on speakerphone on their cell phones. I don't know if you've noticed this, but you'll be in a public place and people talk on their speakerphone. So instead of having the phone of their ear, you can hear the whole conversation. It's one of those things that um, if anyone's flashing the dirty looks, it's generally me. I don't know if I've noticed the, the, the speakerphone trend yet. Either either I just am not in the right places, or as Canadians, Jeff, we, of course, remain too polite. <laughs> I think I would not say too polite. I would say perfectly polite. Oh, there we go. <laughs> nice stuff. Uh, all right. Well, if, fun time of year here because uh, I, I know probably one of the big stories in the States we're counting down to the uh, – to the Super Bowl here. What, what do you what do you think of this? Uh, what do you think of this matchup? Uh, did you think the uh, the Falcons were going to wind up uh, getting through the NFC, or how do you look at that? I actually did. I actually um, I don't usually get these things right, but I really like Atlanta. Um, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, and I don't know many people are feeling that way. You know, there's so much people just view sort of New England understandably as this 
offensive death trap, meaning they'll sh- they'll find a way to shut down your offense, can your best player, and you turn around and Julio Jones has two catches for 14 yards and Matt, Matt Ryan has thrown four interceptions. I just, I just think that Atlanta offense is so good. I mean, so good and so explosive that I uh, I think they'll win. But it's a really, it's a great, it's been the worst postseason ever. I mean, it has, it's been so boring. There's been one good game outside of Green Bay-Dallas. There hasn't really been a good game. And I think this is actually a pretty intriguing matchup. Well, that's a good point because, what, the first weekend they were all blowouts and then uh, the conference championship games weren't close. It was sort of close in New England at halftime. And when there were in the regular season, weren't there two ties, including a 6-6 game? (laughs) This has been one of the worst NFL seasons ever, if we're being honest. It's been boring. It's been marred by concussion. Uh, You know, I live here in Southern California, and the Chargers coming to L.A. is a joke. I mean, nobody cares. And the, the people in San Diego love that team. You know, you have the Raiders talking about moving to Las Vegas. Uh, there's a lot of instability. People hate the commissioner. Uh, you know, the, 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 the Patriots with the, the floodgate lingering. It's just been a dark, bad NFL season. Yeah. Well, maybe the Super Bowl is going to be, be a good one. You're right. There's a lot of intrigue going to this matchup, I think. Jeff Perlman joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Uh, I know you're uh, you're plugging away on a, on a book on the USFL. I want to talk about that. I'm currently reading uh, your book that came out in the fall called Gunslinger. It's a biography of Brett Favre. First of all, how many books is this you got under your belt now, Jeff? Uh, Favre is number seven. Number seven. So was that when you? Because I, I, I mean, I first started reading you when you were writing for Sports Illustrated, and that was uh, around the turn of the century. We can actually use that term now. Oh my God, that sounds so old. <laughs> Back when I was a boy. Exactly. Oh, I think it was probably mid '90s you started with SI. But w- yeah. was that as a as a writer? Did you always have the plan to okay, I want to get into books, or did once you were in the magazine world, did you think like, oh hey, you know what, I want I want to try something new now. Right, so I never thought about I never thought about writing books as a career. It never uh, it never really entered my mind. And then when I was at Sports Illustrated, uh, a friend of mine who also was a writer named John Wertheim wrote a book about Venus Williams. And I just uh, that's when it first entered my head. And then I had an agent around that time reach out to me and say, uh, you know, any interest in writing books? And then she came up with this idea, the '86 Mets. And I just I grew up in New York. I was 14, 1986. I love that team, Dwight Gooden and Strawberry. Wrote the book, had no expectations. Thing became a bestseller, and uh, I kind of just, I just kind of love it. I love the freedom. I love the flexibility. I love sitting in coffee shops. I love wearing basketball shorts and a t-shirt. I love that they leave you alone for two years. You know, they get you start working on the book, and then you don't hear anything for two years. I just, I really do. I love it. It can, it can be maddening, and you, you know, your your anxieties and your insecurities flare up when you're deep into it. But it's ultimately, it's a, it's a real labor of love. Me. Yeah. Well, I've read. Uh, I think now this is the fourth book of yours that uh, uh, that I've that I've read, and yeah, they're they're all really cool. You have you can you kind of put your own sense of humor into them, but I, I like the detail and the storytelling that you put in as well. And the Favre book to me is interesting because that's a guy. I mean, I was in my twenties when Favre was becoming a star, so I really remember that. It's not from an era that that I I can't remember or was before I was born. But having said that, I I'd kind of forgotten some of the details along the way. And and, I, and Jeff, I thought the stuff you wrote about um, some of his painkiller addictions and and the Vicodin and all that kind of stuff was really interesting and a good insight into uh, into what a guy uh, goes through. I don't know if that's something that really stuck with you as you were telling that story, but that just his journey through that part of his life really resonated. Yeah, well, you know what's really interesting about it is 
usually when guys are addicts, they're at their worst, right? I mean, just a, a 86 Mets as an example. Daryl Strawberry, you know, when he was at his worst as an addict, or Dwight Gooden, Dwight Gooden fell off when he started using cocaine. You know, he went from 24-3 and three to out of baseball, you know. Um, Farm, on the other hand, <laughs> was at his best when he was popping Vicodin. You know, he was the, he was the best he'd ever been when he was taking 13, 14 pills at a time, which is really fascinating. And, um, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to, he didn't want to go to rehab at first. The Packers really forced his hand and the NFL forced his hand. It turned out being the best thing for him. But, um, you know, he was a, he, you know, he was kind of a guy who was popping pills and, you know, when you're in the NFL, painkillers, there's a reason so many guys become addicted to painkillers. It's because it's such a painful sort of endeavor. Um, so I always thought that was weird. Like, he was a drug addict, and he was at his best as a football player simultaneously. Inside Sports on 630 Chad, Jeff Perlman joining us. The latest book is Gunslinger. It's about Brett Favre. And the uh, next book, which I think we can look forward to uh, in 2018, Jeff, is about the USFL. This was uh, uh, an interesting era in pro football, and the current president of the United States obviously had, uh, had ties to this league as, as well. How are you enjoying digging into the USFL history? It is so weird working on this book at the same time we elected this catastrophe. It's, uh, how are people viewing Trump in Canada? What's that going? How's that playing? Uh, it depends who you talk to. I think a lot of us, it's a mixture of, of uh, comedy and fear. <laughs> yeah, that would actually be, without the comedy, that would be how it is in America for me right now. It is, it is unbelievable, and it's, it is, it's really trippy. I said to my wife I should write an article about doing this book because... Um, he ruined the USFL with this greed. You know, the USFL was a spring football league between 83 and 85, and it was a very good idea. It had its flaws, but it was a very good idea. And Trump entered the league in 84. He bought the New Jersey team, the Generals, with uh, Herschel Walker on the team. And um, when he bought the team, he told everyone he loved the USFL. He's excited to be a part of the USFL. This is going to be great. Then he gets in the USFL, and he, uh, he immediately says, we need to move to fall. We need to challenge the NFL. Like, never said that before he got in the league. He was just happy to be in the league. Gets in, says we need to move the fall. Basically, starts you know pushing the other owners around, bullying people, saying he'll leave the league and take the New York franchise with him if he doesn't. If they don't move to fall. He's got a great TV deal waiting for them in the fall. It's a great TV deal. You're going to love it. It's great. We're going to dominate the fall. Um, you know, some of the owners fight him. He basically squashes them. He goes. He starts becoming an anonymous source in newspaper articles. You know, said one owner, it was him just a bully thug. And of course they sued. He, he led the lawsuit against the NFL. He insisted the lawsuit be in New York, which was the worst place to have it. He hired the attorney, Harvey Myerson, who was a disaster. Um, they didn't call any other owners to testify except him. He was horrible on the stand and they end up dying. That is the story of Donald Trump in the USFL. Wow. That's, that's it, it. it's infuriating. You know what? It's infuriating because it's a complete parallel. Like, I understand why the Hillary Clinton campaign didn't use it. It's 30 years old, blah, blah, blah. It is a total parallel. Who he was then is who he is now. And it was all, and I didn't even mention, the reason he did it factually is because he wanted a New York franchise in the NFL. The Jets had just moved to New Jersey. The Giants were in New Jersey. He was going to have a stadium built in Manhattan, and the Generals would become the third New York-New Jersey team. And that was it. He didn't care what happened to the USFL. He never cared what happened to the USFL. It was a way to get into the NFL. Man. Well, so this one is slated for next year then? Yeah, it's uh, 2018. Uh, do you have a title yet? Well, it's kind of funny. I've been, I, I've been, no one's asked me that. I, um, 
the uh, inside the NFL offices, they called the USFL the useless. That was the nickname. They were called the useless. <laughs> and uh, I actually thought that was a really good title for the book. So that's my working title, the useless. That, I, I hope you stick with that. That, that, look, that would draw, draw people's attention, seeing that on the shelves yeah. as well. Uh, Jeff, it's, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for uh, talking a little football with us here. How can people get you on Twitter and uh, online if they want to find out more? Yeah, just at Jeff Perlman, or my website is jeffperlman.com. I'm nice, always there. Nice and easy, buddy. I hope we can do this again. All the best with the book. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Right on. Great to have Jeff Perlman on the show. The Edmonton Oil Kings trail medicine hat 2-1. Eight minutes left in the second period. Raptors beat Milwaukee 102-86. The Oilers farm team, Bakersfield up 3-2 on Texas late in the second period. We have the NHL All-Star Game 1-30 Sunday afternoon on 6-30. Ched, thanks to our producer Dave Campbell, the studio producer Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. This has been Inside Sports on 6-30. Ched, have a great weekend. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.